All right, I am Haggai Davis III, along with Haggai Davis II, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Our show is a conversation about the past, present, and future of all things technology that we like to keep topical, interesting, and digestible. We want to thank our sponsor, Cardinal Capital, for making this possible. Cardinal Capital connects businesses to capital. It doesn't matter what business that you are in, Cardinal Capital has the resources all across the United States that are willing to help fund organizations of all sizes, life cycles, categories, and locations. Cardinal Capital works with you to craft the best commercial finance package for you to achieve your business goals. Whether you're looking to refinance current debt because of the new government programs and favorable interest rates, or finance new equipment, or maybe you're trying to acquire another business entirely, Cardinal Capital has the resources to make it happen. When lenders cannot do a loan, they seek out Cardinal Capital to help. The Cardinal Capital guys are easy to work with and fun to be around. Contact them today at 225-308-3700 or send them an email at info at cardinalcap.net and they'll be happy to help you with your commercial finance needs. All right. Each week we take a listener question on Tech Gumbo that we try and field from our audience and then we give them a Tech Gumbo mug for their participation in our show. This week we got a question from a listener. Can you please speak to your thoughts on making non-compete clauses illegal in the workplace? The quick and easy answer is we're opposed to non-competes. I think it stifles competition. I think I think it's not good for business. I don't think it's good for employee morale. It's also not good for innovation. And you know, these are also not just our opinions on this. This comes from the FTC. The FTC proposes a new rule to ban non-compete clauses at the federal level, and four senators have got together and issued a bipartisan bill to try and also make non-compete clauses illegal at the federal level. Which is just really good, because I think that people should be allowed to go and do and earn the best way that they can if they can build the better mousetrap than the mousetrap that you have good go for it we see this especially in the technology industry because there is so much innovation there is so much dynamism there is so much change and turnover and new fresh blood flowing into the industry that the ridding of non-compete clauses would really help technology continue to innovate to continue to grow and actually they're already very difficult to enforce. A lot of states have different rules about whether or not a company can come back at you for them. And so while they're not yet federally banned, it's entirely possible that depending upon the state, wherever you are, they're already not enforceable. The director of the Office of Policy Planning at the FTC said, research shows that employers use non-competes to restrict workers' mobility significantly that suppresses workers' wages. Even for those not subject to non-competes are subject to non-competes that are unenforceable under state law. The proposed rule would ensure that employers can exploit their outsized bargaining power to limit workers' opportunities and stifle competition. Yeah, so this is pretty easy. This is a thing that we are against here. We are in favor of innovation. We are in favor of technological growth and change. And, you know, may the best tech company win. May the best company win. The FTC said 30 million people are right now covered by non-competes. 
And if they got rid of those non-competes, it would increase workers' earnings by nearly $300 billion. It would also save $148 billion on health care costs, and it would double the number of companies in the same industry founded by a former worker. These are all incredibly compelling numbers that whenever you think about there's 150 million employees or, or workers in the U.S. right now, $450 billion saved is $3,000 per person. That is an extra $2,000 in earnings and $1,500 in healthcare savings. That's what is potentially on the line here. It would also help to close the racial and gender wage gaps by anywhere from 5 to almost 10%, according to the FTC. So I think getting rid of the, the non-competes is only good for business. The only people that it hurts are the workers who are doing the work, who may have a better idea, but because they signed some piece of paper, are afraid to go and do better. So yeah, thank you to the listener for your question. We will get you your Tech Gumbo mug soon. Moving along, we wanted to talk about workers. And apparently, nearly 30% of the workforce remains working from home. This is a fascinating number. And so we are coming up on three years since the beginning of the pandemic. And the labor data shows that the initial work from home spiked somewhere 50 to 60 percent, but it pretty quickly within six months to a year settled down to about 30 percent. And it stayed there pretty consistently over the past two years. This is just fascinating to me that here we are three years down the road. If you go back to 2019 and say, oh, hey, look, four years from now, a third of the workforce is going to work from home no matter what, you're thinking, yeah, okay, you're, you bumped your head one time too many. But then when you throw in this pandemic and everybody started saying, oh, I don't have to sit at the desk five days a week, eight hours a day to get my work done. Can I do one day a week at the house? Hey, can, can I do half and half? And it's, it's becoming an, a more and more popular idea to do at least one day a week from the house. So to break the numbers down a little bit more, there's about 55% of Americans who cannot work from home. Their job just requires them to be in person. On the other end, there's about 13% who work entirely from home. And that last bit is about 30%. And these are the people who sit there in that hybrid place that you talked about. Maybe they work one day a week from home. Maybe they work three or four days a week from home. But they are somewhere in that middle ground, and that's about a third of the country. Which is fascinating. In, in doing what I do, I've been working from home one, two days a week for almost 15 years now. Because I'm very, very mobile and flexible, and I'm, I'm usually not sitting at a desk. And to, to think that the rest of the world is starting to catch up to the idea that you don't have to go to that 15th floor and punch a clock to get things done, you can be productive from wherever. Now, to work from home requires discipline, 
You can't have that TV in the room with you, and you can't have chores to do around the house. Work is work. Yeah, I think it's definitely requires a, a, a new way of thinking about it. But for a lot of people, that's their commute took a while. The average commute was over 30 minutes in one direction. And so if you save more than an hour of time every day that you're not traveling just to get in your car, well, that's a pretty big deal. Because if that's two or three days a week, that all of a sudden you're just getting this time back for free, man, that's a, a huge quality of life change. And we're also seeing the impact on cities at this point in time. Your downtown city center, wherever you used to have tons of employees stream, stream in every day to fill tall office buildings, a lot of those office buildings aren't sitting at 100% anymore or aren't sitting at 95%, whatever they were. They're down somewhere to 60% or 40%. And you're also seeing a lot of changes in the supporting services. That restaurant, which sat on the ground floor of the office building and served your overpriced salad, no one's going there anymore. And so this is having huge impacts, and there's really no evidence that we're going to deviate from this roughly 30% number. So if you're out there working from home part of the time, good for you. We'll see how long that continues, but it, right now it looks like that trend's going to last. So the next story we wanted to talk about involves a Volkswagen and their CarNet service that would not help a woman after the child had been abducted. So this is a story from Illinois. The child was abducted in a car and the sheriffs uh, tried to call Volkswagen in order to track the vehicle because the car had GPS built inside of it. And so they said, oh, well, you know, Volkswagen should know exactly where the car is. Well, the assistant on the phone told them no. The trial period extended. You have to pay $150 to restart the service and to find the vehicle. The detective said, please, there is a child who has been abducted. Please, please, please. This is extremely exigent circumstances was the exact quote. But the detectives had to get a credit card number and call them back and pay $150 before they provided location. And so to give a little bit of a backstory, this mom of two was, was coming home. She pulled in the driveway. She had taken one child inside the house and was coming back out to get the second child out of the car. And when she did, some thugs came up behind her, hit her pretty hard, knocked her down, really hurt her. They sent her to the hospital, but jumped in the car and sped off with the two-year-old still in the car. Well, some, a neighbor, somebody saw what was going on. They, calls not, they called 911. And so the sheriff department tracks down. And despite this contract employee, this was not an actual Volkswagen employee that, that does the car net services. This is a third-party company. They actually did find the car. They found the child. The child's okay. And Volkswagen came out and said, hey, look, this is not our policy. We have many, many opportunities where we've said, sure, you're the police. Okay, we'll tell you exactly where it is. But this one person, this one time, held to the guns and said, nope. And the, the sheriff's deputy actually did find a credit card and paid the 150 bucks. But by the time they paid for the, the money and found out where the car was, the police had already found the car. And it just goes to show that sometimes policies aren't so absolutely rigid where they have to be enforced. 
Yeah, because as you're saying, Volkswagen has a plan in place specifically for things like this. They have a procedure set up to handle these types of scenarios that is a specific emergency request. Here's what you're supposed to do. And so this is really kind of a failure on that internal system that, you know, ultimately the best laid plans of mice and men are still operated by people and people are fallible. People make mistakes. And, you know, the question is, should the sheriff's department have known that something like this existed? Should they have been able to say some code word, which initiated some secret protocol? Should the person on the phone have, you know, gotten their manager and, and elevated it up the chain so that the manager could push them over to the secret protocol? There's a lot of ways this could have gone better, could have gone faster, but... And to follow up on that, the idea that Ford is looking at with the future of autonomous vehicles that don't even have steering wheels anymore, somewhere down the road, if you haven't paid your, your monthly note on that car and it's time to be repossessed, they can just remote in and tell that car to drive back to the store. Yeah, that's pretty scary that in the future, Ford has officially patented. They filed for the patent and received it. Systems and methods to repossess a vehicle. And it starts off smaller. Maybe they could just disable functionality of one or more component of the vehicle. Everything from the engine all the way up to the air condition. And as you were saying, for autonomous vehicles, they could move the vehicle a little bit to some place that's easier for the tow truck or they could just have the vehicle drive itself all the way to the repo lot and your car repossessing itself is that's pretty scary to think about yeah when you go back and and i don't know if you remember the old movie repo man they would have been a real short movie <laughs> if it if he just pushes a button and the car drives itself back to the repo lot this was a fascinating ordeal and but how much easier to go back to the story about the vw if if ford can have that much control over a vehicle then they certainly know exactly where that vehicle is oh absolutely gps has been in vehicles for a long time the connection between a vehicle and an auto manufacturer between some software distributor some third party these are all very well-established technologies and we're seeing more and more of them be put behind a paywall here and that that is where the future of automotive industry is going that you know more and more of your car will be oh it's, it's an extra 10 bucks a month for that extra 100 bucks a year for that and that if you want this package we're going to nickel and dime you for that too it is everything is going to be all the upgrades are going to be right there in front of you a la carte style yeah, I remember when OnStar first came out on the General Motors products and how cool that was that all you had to do is you could call OnStar and, and they could unlock your car for you right there or any kind of those situations where if they could tell you if your car was stolen, they could ship within 10 square feet of where that car is, go get it kind of thing. And, and this is just another example of how we've gone from being able to unlock a car or know exactly where it is to where now we can turn it off. We can make it not functional. We can just make you miserable and turn the air conditioner off or something like that until you pay up. 
it's it's pretty rough as well though you know if you're driving around south louisiana and you know you're behind on your payments and they just turn the ac off on you that's man you're having a rough time there it really is moving over across the pond in the united kingdom signal has said they are not about to participate if the UK goes forward with weakening their encryption. So the UK is introducing a bill called the Safety Online Bill, and basically it would require all messaging platforms to police user messages. Well, Signal has always said that they are very proud of their end-to-end encryption, which means that whenever these message leaves the first user's device it is completely encrypted is completely private is completely protected and until it gets to the other side the only person who can read it is the user on the other end no one else in the middle can possibly read that message and signal is incredibly proud of that fact and so the fact that the uk is saying that signal would have to sit there in the middle and monitor all these messages they've said we will leave the island before we do that. And end-to-end encryption is really, really important. If you're demanding your, your messaging to be encrypted and you paid for it to be encrypted so that only you and the user, the other end user gets that message and nobody in the middle gets to see it, that's the way it's supposed to be. And... Yes, there, there's probably nefarious things going on, and, and I'm, I'm sorry about that, but I'm not excited about weakening encryption. Yeah, it happens so many times that privacy and security are placed against each other, and we really have to make value judgments as a society. Where do we draw the line? How do we set these against each other here? And the UK is pushing very far into security over privacy. And that makes me uncomfortable, especially because I don't think they're alone in this. I think this is very much something that I could see being talked about in America as a potential bill, as a potential way forward. And I would be deeply uncomfortable with something like this coming here. It's interesting that there's one other way that this could go. In that instead of having the message be scanned in the middle, the message could be scanned before it's encrypted on its way out. Apple actually considered something like this back in 2021. The problem is, is that it means that everything is scanned very broadly in a way that hasn't yet been defined. And this is even more overreach. And this is even worse. And so there really isn't a great solution here that allows for the surveillance of your entire user base that doesn't involve the direct breach of their privacy. And so this signal is very much sticking to their guns on this and good for them. The last story we wanted to get to, Australia is not happy with the Chinese-made security cameras inside the government buildings, and they're about to, to yank about 900 of these cameras out of the buildings across the Australian Defense Department. So these were made by companies Hikvision and Daohua, and the U.S. has actually banned these equipments in government buildings last November, citing them as unacceptable risks to national security, and the U.K. has taken similar action. When you sit there and you're, you're concerned that 
everything that these cameras or 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 taking video of it's leaking a little out the back end going back home to china which is the same thing that has been going on with the 5g equipment and the huawei phones and and some of the chips that we've talked about in the past this is just another example of china is just trying to do everything they can to get every bit of information about everybody and it's it's just not gonna play well and we want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission. And that mission is to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed services provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers from Texas to the Carolinas. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through the continuous use of innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 120 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business's strength. This has become a proven formula. So proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need new IT services, new technology, or you just have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. And if you enjoyed our show today, we're here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4, and the show will rerun Sunday at 4. If you missed any part of our show, or you would like to hear any of the previous episodes, check out our podcast which is available on most every platform, including Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, Overcast, Player FM, and more. And when you're there, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified every time a new episode is posted. If you like our show, if you have some suggestions or want to submit a question, let us know by visiting our website, techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.